Okay, well, I guess we need an opener. You know, I was going to look up a joke. <laughs> Me too. I never did. Uh, we already used the opener as a joke. That, yeah. I mean, we can't do that again. Um, um, I guess we should probably start off by explaining... Oh, wow, my volume's way too loud. Sorry. Um, that's okay. We should probably yeah. start off by explaining what happened. That's a great, that's a great uh, point. Um, so this episode is going to be on 2007's Mass Effect, one of my favorite games of all time. This is now the third time uh, we've recorded this episode. First time, um, my recording software did not launch, and I didn't notice, so we talked for about an hour and a half and recorded none of it, and that was a great conversation. It was. And, uh, that I remember. I, I don't know, because it's gone now. Uh, and so we recorded again about a week later, and... Um, it was great. It was even better than the first conversation. Um, lots of insightful comments and details. And then about a week ago, after about a month of having the recording, I go to edit the podcast and I realize only my voice had recorded. Graham's was nowhere to be found. Um, and as much as I love my voice, it was sort of boring without Graham. So we're back again, talking about Mass Effect's like two months after we played it mm-hmm. and uh we're defeated and we're just ready to have the episode out so that's the joke ha ha graham yes what did you think about mass Effect? Yeah, like the, the general impression that I remember having was that it grew on me over the course of the game. I did not like it very much at the beginning. And like I, for like the first, pretty much until we got to Vermeer, the mission on Vermeer, I wasn't a big fan of the game. Yeah. But then once we got to Vermeer, which is like the second last mission, it started to kind of click and... um. It was kind of like this slow burn of a interest curve. Mm-hmm. I I think it's important to note because we'll probably make reference to it that we are just coming off Mass Effect Two now. Um, we both just played it, so um, I mean we're kind of looking back at Mass Effect One through that framework, and um, I think you're absolutely right, Graham. It's very Mass Effect One. It is a slower game and it is it has started to show its age a little bit which is totally fine it's over 10 years old now um but i would say outside of the prologue and then vermeyer and onwards it's pretty dull yeah and and in in some ways i mean not to say it's bad um but even just looking back at the main missions you know you've got novaria you've got uh pharos like those missions in the grand scheme of the trilogy are pretty much inconsequential to to what's going on um but in in the in the and even in in the essence of mass effect one they're kind of like not really overly important um because basically mass effect one is a kind of like a detective game almost not really i guess you're, you're trying to track down the bad guy basically yeah you've got it's introducing you to the big bad 
Um, mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. Well, not even the the. In a way, it is introducing you to the big bad, and that's the that's the reveal on Vermeer, which really takes it up a notch. Um, but really, for the middle section of the game, there it's just you against you trying to track down Saren, um, and you have a couple of leads, and you go after these leads, and they all come together magically to work out that you find where Saren is, but. The missions themselves don't really feel like they have much weight or consequence. It, particularly Pharos, I always just find it to be very boring. Yeah. And bland. I mean, like, there's hints of things that it could be. Like, um, I think it was Novaria. It felt like you could approach the situations from a couple different angles. Mm-hmm. And that was cool. That's, That's something that... I don't know, maybe the first one did... I can't Better. remember the second one really doing that that much in terms of... You know, that's a yeah, yeah that's a really great point. Um, Novaria in particular, there's a couple ways that um, the situation with like the, the people under attack, under siege, can play out. Like, you can go through a back door to find the matriarch. You can actually kill everybody because they, you find out they're working with the matriarch. There's a bunch of different ways that can play out depending on how you, as the player, basically unfold it, um, which is really interesting. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. And then... Yeah, it... Although, and then, like, the teammates were cool. I liked pretty much most of my team um, with... One notable exception, but um, it doesn't need to be spoken. <laughs> Everybody knows who we're talking about. Yeah. So there was a, so at one point I accidentally started a, a romantic relationship with both of the available romantic characters, and um, so the 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 two romantic options are Liara and Ashley, right? And then on Vermeer, you have to send either Ashley or Caden to die, um, uh, protecting the scientists, were they? Uh, they were special forces. Yeah, special they were forces. their distraction team, yeah. Yeah, and so um, you had to send one of them to die. And I, at this point, I was, I was just kind of still bored with the game. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll send Caden and that'll maybe like Ashley will have a change of heart or it'll be a more interesting decision. And then we got back to the base afterwards. And then there was this fighting of Liara and Ashley over commander Shepard right after she was like crying. Like why, why did you send him (laughs) instead of me? Like I shouldn't like, and it was this, it was so jarring that I actually went back and I saved Caden instead. Uh, yeah, well, you made the right decision there. Ashley's the worst. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. yeah it, um... See, that's interesting. Like, Vermeer stands out to me for a, a couple of reasons. Um the first is that you can actually lose two of your squad members there. If, mm-hmm. if you, well, one, you have to, you know, you have to choose between Caden or Ashley. And then, uh, if you don't handle the wreck situation poorly, 
you could lose Rex as well. Um, so the first time I ever played through the game, I actually lost both Rex and Caden. Um, and actually had shot Rex too. And for some reason, I still, <laughs> I still kept her alive. And then I also ended up dating her. But that's another story for another time. Um, and after that, it's kind of like this weight on your shoulders as well. Because you find out that the Reapers are real. That the there is more to the plan than really you even realize. Like, up until that point, you're not really sure about the Reapers. Um, you don't really know much about them otherwise, other than they came and they left. Allegedly. So you have this weight of, oh, the Reapers are real. You know, his ship's a Reaper. So I'm f I'm talking to one right now. And it's going to kill us all. Um, but also it does something really nice with, like, the, the Solarian Special Tasks group. Where, like, you can do little little itty-bitty things of, of support to them. Like, oh, I'm going to shut down the Geth ships. Or I'm going to disrupt communications. And little things like that, that if you aren't paying attention, you'd miss. But when you do them, if you do enough of them, you can actually help those characters survive uh, and get them off the planet, which is nice. Mm -hmm. But it's but it's interesting now, actually, because I'm thinking I'm thinking back. There's a moment when you, because the the crux of the mission is that you want to blow up this facility, because um, Saren's trying to create an army of Krogan. Uh, so you're gonna drop a nuclear bomb in it, and there's one point where you leave the bomb. To go rescue whoever it might be, Caden or Ashley. But then you have a second where you can, okay, they're both in danger. Should I go help Caden or should I go back to the bomb? And something that really irks me is that there's no negative consequence to either choice. If you go to, to save the person not the bomb, the bomb still goes off. If you go back to save the bomb, well, it doesn't matter because they're dead. Like, in either scenario, like, the person dies, but nothing else bad happens. There's no weight to that choice there. Yeah, that's kind of, like, I, I can see that sometimes with, like, this kind of game in general, in where the limitations of it being a game in scope, and that means that your choices have impact, but not in the same way that they kind of advertise. Yeah, like, it, it would have been really interesting if you decided to go after the person who wasn't, you know, um defusing the or guarding the bomb and then the bot what if the bomb didn't go off and then maybe later on at the final mission you had to fight more krogan instead of instead of gath or whatever that would have been cool yeah that would have been a neat little little thing like oh you failed to blow up the the facility way to go pal and uh but i mean all in all vermar is still a great mission um yeah yeah um so, oh, you, you oh go. go ahead. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> um, I played as a renegade, and you played as a paragon. Correct. Pretty much, right? Correct, yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, so, we kind of have completely different playthroughs going into Mass Effect 2, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. but um, Or a long bit, if you're listening to this, because they'll come out on different days. Um, yeah, uh, I basically was a huge jerk to everybody. I killed everybody who I could. And I was super racist. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's why I like Ashley. And uh, we're in love. <laughs> uh. No, but I mean, the the nice thing about the Mass Effect games is that um, they do they do what they do a very good job with the the, the squad that you have in um, 
and and these special little moments like on the ship that you have with them um like i remember speaking with ashley for like just a few minutes about her family and we talked a bit about poetry and just stuff like that where it's like it's interesting enough where it'll, it'll make me go down and talk to her and you know each one of them has something like that yeah that's those kinds of moments are my favorite kinds of moments of the squad kind of games where you Mm -hmm. get to go and talk with them and learn more about their story um that was probably my favorite parts of the game Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah who was your favorite squaddy um oh they were all good um should we rank them oh no so they (laughs) i feel like we might have done that we may have garris tali Rex. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. I'm just, so, I'm just naming them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, so Ashley's our fox, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Okay. We need to put uh, this on the website. <laughs> Tally's definitely a chie. She's a chie to a T. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> uh, Rex is kanji. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, Caden. Where do we put Caden on the list here? I guess he's sort of our Yosuke. Yeah. <laughs> so th- does that mean Rex? No, we we already had Rex is Kanji. Um, uh, Garrus is Nauto. Gar- that's what I was gonna say. Garrus is a good Nauto. Um, Tally's our Chie. Cadence our Yosuke. Joker is is our Teddy, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, we're missing somebody. We're miss- Who Are we missing, missing somebody? Liara. Liara, yeah. Liara is definitely our Yukiko. Yeah. Yeah. She's not. She's not quite a Rise. No. <laughs> that works. Okay. Um. Yeah. I guess. I like that. Yeah. The only character I didn't really like was Ashley, and that was whenever she was speaking. That wasn't like the one-on-ones. I wanted to oh, make yeah. sure I finished that. Um. Whenever, like, it was the one-on-ones and she was talking about her family and stuff like that, that was cool. Seeing, like, a more personal side. Mm -hmm. And then there was every other time and she's racist and shooting your friends in the back. Yeah. And that's the great thing about Mass Effect, though. It's like, it, it... Any lesser game, you know, she just would have been racist all the time. Right? Or Rex would have been, like... A violent maniac all the time but there's moments there where you realize like they have a little bit of humanity and they they can be like calm and a little bit logical about their thoughts um yeah and that's why and each one of them is is different in their own way right like um Caden and Ashley really are an example right off the bat of Paragon and Renegade Caden's hmm. very much a good guy. Ashley's a bit rougher on the edges. Um, and that kind of sets the dynamic for the player of like, oh, who do I want to be like? Loser, bland boy, or racist, I hate you, chick? Hmm. I never thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. At least that's, yeah. No, that makes yeah. that makes sense. And, and, and I mean, they all kind of fit in that one way or another. I mean, Rex is pretty renegade too. Um, Garrus is kind of the in-between guy a little bit. Um, he's kind of questioning 
uh, the Paragon way with his with his backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, One thing I like Mass Effect One overall, it's like the 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 main meat is the is the weakest part, but what it does so well is it really builds the world um, and the lore so well that it's really interesting. And that's actually some of my favorite parts about the trilogy is just all the history of all the races and all the little quirks and stuff. Yeah. And they and they give you some good opportunity to hear it from your squad mates you know rather than just reading about it in a codex um like with krogan's and the genophage with tali and her pilgrimage it's uh they're actually interesting things to talk about and you like oh that's and you also have to they also have to write it in such a way as because your character should already know about this already right but you as the player are coming in blind and i think they handle that pretty well and regards to like the dialogue options and tell me more about your people and oh i thought the genophage was just this um yeah no it's they have a lot of interesting races and a lot of interesting little stories about each race um that i just love reading about yeah the world building is yeah really good you get a neat taste of all these different yeah that, that that's something that i remember as being really good from the first one Mm-hmm. And and I mean the first one's very much your classic sort of space sci-fi like the Citadel is pristine and and clean well not necessarily clean but it's you know the embassies are very bright and they're very um they're full of vegetation and even like Novaria and Pharos they're like they're they're un- unhabitable planets or the rough around the edges but like the design is very sleek and very gray um, kind of like your Star Trek almost, mm-hmm. um, where that theme definitely does change in later games, but, uh, you can tell that that was kind of like the aesthetic they were going for. And, um, and I, and I think it works in this sense. It is a bit of a jarring shift going from this game to like Mass Effect 2, um, at least in my opinion, theme, uh, stylistic wise, but, um. It's for the better, but we could talk about more of that later, I guess. <laughs> so, what did you think um, about Saren as like an antagonist? How did you feel about Saren? I remember thinking he's kind of like a a tragic hero in a bit of a sense. Um, like he he kind of he thinks that what he's doing is good to a point, mm-hmm. or he recognizes that it's not the best option but he doesn't really have many other mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so i thought he was all right he didn't get a ton of development from what i remember no and i think they i think they do that intentionally right because um like they present him as basically this traitorous jerk because you, you see him shoot nihilus in the back and then he's kind of mocking you with the council but as the game goes on, you realize his motivations aren't just "grr, I'm the bad guy." Yeah. You know, he he does have motivations and goals similar to Shepard's in a way, um, and and you kind of can see that he's not really all that different from Shepard. His plan of attack is just different, right? Um, 
he's a born leader he's skilled people follow him um and he's trying to say well he thinks he's trying to save the human or the human race this the galaxy basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. but what i also love about saren and we talked about this kind of in length in our previous episode is that there's the ambiguity of what parts of Saren are really Saren and what parts are sovereign? Yeah, because of the whole brainwashing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I mean, it's something that you could easily gloss over if you're not, you know, really paying close attention to. Um, but the effects of like indoctrination, it's it, it kind of calls into question. You know, is Saren? doing what he believes in or is he doing what sovereign wants him to believe in type thing um and it's kind of just like that that level of mystery or uncertainty uh that you have or because you don't know you really don't know his intentions at the end of it you know um because at the end of the game you can't you can get him to kill himself you know you can get him to see your side but <laughs> no you never know quite who was in control there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's, there was a lot of interesting stuff about the first game. Like I think, like the world building was the highlight, and the final mission was really good, really strong. Um, most of it, the gameplay was, not the most interesting, mm-hmm. um, and the vehicle was. not my favorite Um, but like as a whole it was it was a decent game oh absolutely i mean um yeah i think this is our both of our only bioware game slash games that we finished is that correct this is the first one you've ever ever finished yes this was the first one that i finished and the sixth time starting a bioware game See, I'm I'm actually pretty similar. Like, uh, I've only ever finished Mass Effect games. I've started Dragon Age, one and Inquisition. I started Kotor, and nothing this didn't grab me the way Mass Effect did. I don't know why. Yeah, it. I'm guessing it was. Yeah, I don't know the world building and like Mass Effect. Coming from a point of having played Mass Effect two now, I appreciate that I did play Mass Effect one. Mm-hmm. because it laid the groundwork mm-hmm. like i didn't necessarily appreciate it while i was playing it but now afterwards i can really i'm like oh i'm I'm glad that i did yeah and and the the tough thing is mass effect one there's a lot of side quests on the citadel and the citadel is slow and monotonous and kind of a bore after a couple hours mm-hmm. whereas you know the later games uh they kind of save all the dialogue and, and and world building for the actual normandy right you can do that all on your ship whereas the first game it's basically you know all that stuff's on the citadel everything else you want to learn or do that's not combat based is on the citadel so just go there but that can be really boring if there's like you know there's like six hours of content on the citadel that you've got to try to worm your way through so yeah and the side quests in general in the first game were there wasn't a lot of payoff for them 
like story-wise or emotional mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. monetary. Um, they were just kind of yeah. go into a room and defeat all the bad guys and then leave. Pretty much, yeah. Now, I do like... I, I like the, the open galaxy aspect of it. I love the fact that they, like, took the time to... Even in the little planet blurbs... Like, I, I, mm-hmm. I love reading those little blurbs about the planet. Like, oh, in 1867, the Krogans did this to this planet. Like, cool little things like that. I just love that they took the time to, like, okay, let's sit. What's well, a neat little story that would make sense for this race? Oh, what if they, you know, blew up a humpback whale? Boop, 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 boop. Put it in there. Great. And I, I'm such a nerd. I'm like, oh, what's the population of this planet? Oh, interesting. I wonder how, you know, that'll turn out later on. Or stuff like that. Um... And just like even launching onto a planet and driving around the Mako and, and you know, experiencing those things. Pretty neat. <laughs> the most iconic though, and I don't know if you, did you do the one on the moon? I didn't. Oh, that's like the most iconic side quest in the whole trilogy because Me? on the moon, when you're on the moon, you could just look up at Earth and it's like a beautiful image of Earth hovering above you. It's like, ah. I might have to go back and try it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you discovered this. Oh, I don't know if they mentioned it in 2 or 3 or not. Do you mind if I make a small spoiler? Sure, if it's about the first game, it doesn't bother me. Yeah, it, it's it kind of carries over. Um, so the on the moon, there is a rogue VI that you got to take down, virtual intelligence. Mm-hmm. And you do that, and that's, you know, that's the mission. Later on, you learned that that rogue VI is picked up by Cerberus. And they oh. used it to make something else. Perhaps an AI. Interesting. They, they made Edie. Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so Edie is that, that, that same VI from the moon, which is kind of neat. That is I mean, neat. obviously, they didn't plan it to be like that, but... I do like though that they did they did put little bits of Cerberus in the first game. Yeah, there were, but they were mostly just uh, like another group of people that you could kill, and they were doing these horrible experiments, which actually helped you understand like why Cerberus isn't necessarily a good thing in the mm-hmm. second game. Which I mean, you could totally miss. You know, you could easily miss all the references to Cerberus in the first game. Because you're just not doing side quests, right? There's no portion of it in the main storyline at all, which I kind of, I kind of actually appreciate. Um, it's like, oh, maybe they knew a little bit where they were going, or maybe it was just a convenient little whatnot. But yeah. Okay, so we should do a quick recap. Okay, so uh, you saved Caden. Yes. You saved the Rachni. Yes. You saved the Council. Yes. Uh, Udina or Anderson? Anderson. Okay. Uh, any other choices you could have made? Um, Those... I'm trying to think. Rachni. Um. Those are really the big ones. Yeah, those are like the four. Oh, and Rex survived. Yes. Okay. See, I'm the exact opposite. I killed the Rachni. I killed the council. I chose Udina. I what was the other one I said? Oh, I saved Ashley. Rex didn't die for me, luckily. That's um, good. You yeah. had enough renegade. 
well, I no, I, I talked him down Renegade style. I said, you know, Rex, you're strong, but I'm stronger. Uh-huh. I was like, yeah, but yeah, I, I got the influence on on the big boy. Nice. That's neat. Yeah. yeah. One thing I always love to mention about this game is one of my favorite features is you can do any of the the missions in any order that you like, right? You can go to Pharos first, you can go to Novaria, um, and then after you do two of those, you can go to Vermeer, and there's only one character, Liara, that you can pick up after you've left the Citadel. They kind of all come to you in the first two hours. This other one's the only one you need to go out of your way to get, and you can wait to get her to the very end of the game, and if you do that, she's like delirious and dehydrated and totally out of it when you go find her, which I thought was pretty neat. That they like took the time to sit down and say, well, what if the player does this? You know, boop, boop, boop. You know, what would that character's reaction be? Yeah, it's really neat. Just like little things like that where they took the time to uh, to say what if. Um, and and the, writing, the writing overall is just very strong. Yeah, there's a lot of attention paid to detail. And it shows that they're they're building a world that they care about, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. So what overall would you give Mass Effect 1? See, it's hard for me. This was probably my sixth full playthrough of Mass Effect 1. Um, and it was kind of... I'll, I will admit it was a bit of a chore um just because there's so much else i want to play but uh, i mean it's it's an old friend um i love it dearly i have fond memories of it oh i I can't remember what i rated it you know isn't that sad i'm trying to remember i think you rated it like a yukiko that's yeah i'm i'm looking at the top three here i would probably call it a yukiko i believe my exact words were i'd invite it over for christmas eve (laughs) but i could be talking about another game yeah, I, that was familiar. That sounds familiar, but I think I know I've said it before. <laughs> I think I gave it a teddy. I thought you gave, yeah, yeah. Probably. Was it a teddy or was it a? Or, I thought it was a chie, but I could be wrong. It was chie. It was chie, um, because it grew on me. Yeah, yeah, and it wants to be strong for you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just a, it is a solid game overall. Um, it's just there's not much to write home about after the first prologue until the very near the very end. So yeah, it's just all the stuff in the middle that's not terribly interesting, but it's all that world building that yeah. really really pays off in the second game. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So. Well, Graham, I mean, we've talked about this game for over three hours now in total. Do you have anything else to say? Um, and only and only half an hour of that's going to get released to the public. Uh, no, it's... I remember at the end of... I remember at the end of finishing Mass Effect 1, I was really excited to get started on the second one. Um, and that yep. was... That was kind of how the game left me. Yep. that My first playthrough, exactly the same way. Exactly. It's just like, let's go. You know, we got more to do here. So, 
Yeah. Um, you know what? Might be fun one day if I release just the audio of me just talking. Oh. Uh. Mass Effect. I was like a lost episode. And we could, the players or the listeners rather can, can, uh, they can have like a conversation with you. Yeah, exactly. It's immersive. I like that, Graham. And maybe I'll like, I'll just edit in some length in between each of my sentences so that they can be like, oh, yeah, I never thought about that, Matt. And I'll be like, oh, Saren, boop, 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 boop. Yeah. Maybe I'll do that. (laughs) That'd be good. Well, I think we're going to cut this one a little short because we're going to be recording Mass Effect 2 right after this. And that one's probably going to be at least two hours long, right, Graham? I have. It's probably going to be a while. It's probably going to be long. It's, it's going to be a long one. Um, so thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, please do check us out on Facebook, on Pinecast, on Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Give us a subscribe if you'd like. Leave a comment. All that fun stuff. Yes. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. See you around. <laughs>